Hi everyone, welcome to Woolen Spinning Radio. This is episode 3 and it is March of 2017. As you know, my name is Rachel and the this episode is coming to you because you are a Patreon subscriber. So thank you so much for being a Patreon subscriber of Woolen Spinning on YouTube. You guys are the reason that this exists and why I continue to make it all. So thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed February's show. It was a little bit rambly, but um, it was I completely loved falling down the little rabbit hole of Mabel Ross's book. So our uh, sort of layout of the show today will be another definition, and then we will get into the topic of the month, which will be about com- these combo spin spin-alongs that are going on all over the internet. So if you're a spinner, you've seen it somewhere. So let's start with our definition this month. Each month we have a definition to explore and if you're wondering about where these came from or what this is all about, please go back and listen to February's episode which was episode number two. I thought the finishing attribute on our hand spun page on Ravelry was probably the most interesting so I thought oh let's tackle that next and I thought I would you know look at the drop down menu and choose one of the finishing attributes and define it for you and we would move on. Holy moly, you guys, it's a whole other world unto itself. So this month, we are just going to define finishing itself. And you can mull over whether or not you want to finish your yarns the way Mabel Ross recommends. I certainly don't want to. Um, Finishing actually directs you, the reader, to washing of the yarn. So I'm actually going to be reading the definition for washing of yarn and specifically her definition that she gives for wool. So this is it. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's just so crazy. When spinning has been carried out with cleansed or scoured wool, washing the hanks is very simple. Suds should be prepared with temperature and detergent as in scouring raw fleece, which actually she doesn't recommend really, really super, super, super hot water. She recommends um, warm water, but not boiling hot, ensuring that the hanks will have plenty of room. The hanks should be immersed and left overnight or till very cool when they can be squeezed thoroughly but not wrung. I totally wring my yarn. Um, You guys can cringe, but I totally do. It is better that any shrinkage takes place at this point and not when the garment has been knitted. If necessary, a second wash, wash can be given, followed by thoroughly rinsing and spin drying. I do do that sometimes. I do throw it in my washing machine sometimes on the spin cycle, and I'll spin it for a couple of minutes. If the wool has been spun in the grease, a pl- preliminary cold soak to allow the fibers to swell and allow penetration of the hot suds may be advisable. In any case, repeated scourings with hot suds prepared as above will be necessary, especially with wool that has a high grease or dirt content. Great care should be taken to avoid handling the wool and felting it. All hanks to be washed must be placed in the suds at the same time, since it is a matter of three to four minutes. Since in a matter of three to four minutes, all the available detergent molecules will have already isolated and surrounded the particles of grease and dirt and be holding them in suspension. There will be too few free detergent molecules left to act on any added hank, which will be insufficiently cleaned and may attract some of the suspended dirt molecules to itself. No no amount of further washing removes this dirt the hank will remain a different color. 
Okay, so we can talk about that over the coming weeks about what you guys think about washing your wool and how you wash your hand spun yarn because it's interesting to hear what other people do. So I'm going to move on to the topic of our month, which is uh, combo spinning. And as you know, there is a huge spackle going on in both the knit off, uh, sorry, in both the spin off knitters and spinners group and the passionate spinner podcast group. So I will link to those um, on the post in Patreon that this podcast this month goes with so that you can have a look at both of those threads. The Hashtag is hashtag combo spin sal cal, so that's S A L K A L. And you would have heard me just say spackle, which is S P A K A L, and that's the short form for spin along knit along. I'm not sure why they haven't used that as the hashtag, why they didn't just do combo spin spackle, because everybody knows what that means, but um, they didn't. So it's the hashtag combo spin sal cal. So if you're interested in looking up more on Instagram in particular, uh, go have a look at that hashtag over there because there's some pretty beautiful yarn. This spin along has everyone talking about putting things together in their stash that they want to work with to create one, larger quantities of yarn to be able to make larger projects and two new colorways that push the boundaries of just spinning a braid end-to-end and plying. Katrina and I have been long been combining braids of fiber both through combo plying and combo drafting. I'm going to loop Katrina in on this conversation in just a little bit but in the meantime I'm going to start this conversation with an awesome question from Rebecca in the ask anything thread from our Ravelry group. Rebecca has asked four questions in total, so I'm going to read the entire post first and then bite off each question individually. At the end, Katrina and I are going to chat about combining braids of fiber from our stash in more general terms to give you guys sort of an idea of what we do. So this is Rebecca's question. So I have a pretty yarn problem. I showed this pair in another thread and I just had to try putting them together. Um, one of her, the things that she's chosen is a braid of comb top and it's this gorgeous green, um, she calls it dragon, um, dragon green and that's totally what it is. And the other part is a tech carded textured bat that are the, basically the same colors but there's obviously more texture in it. I sampled like a good duck, ripped off a little of each, stripped and pre-drafted then attempted to combo draft. It was really hard. I felt like I was fighting the art bat to get a consistent-ish thread. Bits of texture are no, um, sorry, bits of textured, bits of textured yarn are fine, thick and thin is not, and it wasn't fun. Either I'm doing something wrong, my skills aren't up to this level, or I just picked a hard thing to do. I'd about chucked the idea, but then I plied it up and I kind of love it. And the photos that she shared in the Ravelry group are definitely worth going and having a look at because the yarn itself is just gorgeous. Um, So she goes on to say, I'd want it a bit more even if I were to really use it. And I love the way the Polworth calms things down and the sparkle jazzes it up. And I adore what the colors do together. So here's my questions. Number one, it occurs to me that pre-blending them together might help them play nicer together. I'm having my hand cards mailed to me think that would work. Number two, I'm not positive and I'll count when they get here, but I think my cards are 
72 TPI or otherwise not for fine wools. I got them off eBay forever ago, didn't know what I was doing and hardly used them. What happens when you use not fine enough carders? The braid is Polworth and the bat is Superfine Merino, BFL, Firestar, Silk Noil, and Faux Cashmere. Buying more equipment is not in the cards, haha, right now. I love that, not in the cards. Number three, have you ever suffered through a miserable spinning experience to get a yarn you wanted? Everything in me says, don't do this to yourself. I'm trying to listen to that and not the voice saying, pretty green dragon yarn. Number four, any tips or tricks for combo drafting a top with a bat? I think Rachel talked about doing this and liked it at and liking it at some point, but not how. Maybe I should just suck less. <laughs> Maybe I could just suck less. Oh, Rebecca, you're funny. Um, Rebecca posted a little while later that she's going to play with her hand cards and she posted again that she had also tried combo plying her two sections together which she really liked as well and she's thinking that if the hand cards don't go well that she's going to come back to the combo plying as her second option. So what she means by combo plying is she took uh, singles of the comb top and a singles of the bat and then spun them separately and then plied them together. So it's a little bit different from combo drafting where combo drafting she's actually drafting from the comb top and the bat at the same time and then plying those back on each on themselves so that's the difference between combo drafting and combo plying so i have some thoughts about rebecca's questions and so i'm going to answer them in order so number one was about the hand cards and whether that would work hand cards will work if you want to create a completely woolen prep and rid yourself of any striping the result will be an overall gray green yarn with texture and more air than if you had started with only comb top and the carded prep. The overall effect will be a slightly more muted grayish yarn that will lack striping and this is actually one of my absolute most favorite techniques and it's one of the things that I do all the time particularly with braids of fiber that are just too bright and too crazy. Um, number two in terms of the fineness of the cloth on the hand cards they're actually fine 72 tpi is pretty standard for most hand cards um, the nice thing about hand cards is that you can slow down and work more slowly so that the blending takes a little longer but as long as you don't move too quickly to create that ricochet effect where the fibers bounce back on themselves and create naps you'll be fine just keep your hands gentle but firm and don't pull the cards apart too harshly or quickly I've had wild success with hand cards, as have others, and they are an awesome tool to have in your arsenal. If you can't afford to buy a drum carder, I would hugely recommend that you get yourself a pair of hand cards, even if they're just the Ashford student carders, which are not expensive, but they're not the best out there. They'll last you until you can afford a nicer pair, and they'll at least give you a pair of hand cards, because they're like the one tool that I think every spinner should have. Um, because you can always card up a prep and you can do different things with hand cards where you can actually pull the fiber off in a way that mimics combing but and but keeps a lot of that color sorry keeps a lot of the air in there um, and so you get sort of an airier bouncier loftier yarn and um, you don't need to spend the money on super expensive combs which is great um, one thing to note about hand cards is they take a lot of practice but they're well worth the learning and the learning curve and 
there's quite a few really good um, resources out there to learn how to use hand cards and you know just card up some fiber spin a little sample card up some more spin a little sample like just play with them don't try to bite off a massive project for your, the first time that you're working with cards because you'll just get frustrated um Measurable spinning experiences are what it's all about. So this is an answer to Rebecca's third question. Some of my favorite yarns have come out of experiences just like this. And I think the key to making some of the most awesome yarn is to see the process of creating through. Sometimes it's really hard to see that this push and pull of discomfort when we are making is actually the creative process. And you have a vision of what you think you want and it hasn't presented itself yet. Sticking with it helps you to both grow as a spinner and develop your creativity any, even more. I would also say, Rebecca, that, and to anybody else thinking about some of these projects out there, that part of what makes these projects so difficult is that you're actually stepping out of your comfort zone. Combo drafting, for example, is obviously not something that has just magically um, been really super easy. Um, combo drafting is very very difficult even the most experienced spinners struggle to keep it really uh, consistent one of the things that you can do when you're first learning to combo draft is to try to choose like fibers so if you're just learning how to combo draft um, choose two braids out of your stash that are the same fiber content but have really lovely colors that would work together and that's a great place to start when you're learning how to combo draft because it is a very difficult technique to learn and learning how to combo draft and also at the same time trying to spin really super thin right away is very difficult as well because the um, knee-jerk reaction is to reach back into your fiber supply and grab more than you normally would because you're worried about losing both of the fibers and you're trying to capture both so you tend to draft forward more fiber than you normally would that's totally normal. People also tend to spin a slightly denser yarn when they're combo drafting because they are grabbing more fibers. So, you know, don't set yourself up for failure and try to spin the finest of fine yarn or the airiest of airy yarn. Do some sampling, practice, test it out, and see where you end up. And if you really don't like the yarn at the end and you still are really um, not super chuffed about it, um, you can always try something else. So, in answer to the fourth question, and this was any tips or tricks for combo drafting a top with a bat, um, I've already said that combo drafting in general is tricky, but combo drafting from a bat and comb top is even more tricky. And I think it's worth it to learn how to do it because the effect is awesome. Um, I recently did that project that was out of my Hello Yarn braid out of my stash. Uh, that was exactly like this one that Rebecca is working her way through and I still love that yarn so so much and I haven't actually worn the shawl that I made out of that yarn as much as I wanted to mostly because I'm worried about it getting wrecked which is not like me at all um, but ultimately when you're combo drafting particularly when it's a bat and comb top one is always going to take over whether it's the comb top or the bat, you'll find that as you're spinning, one ultimately wants to take over and that it ultimately wants to be drafted forward more than the other one. But if you can start to manipulate the fibers and create the combination 
of your singles that you're for the most part grabbing a little bit from both I really encourage you not to worry too much about those inconsistencies because once you're knitting they're barely recognizable and instead try to focus on the technique right now because the technique of trying to manage those two fibers together and keep them parallel and keep them both drafting consistently is just an awesome thing to learn and it is challenging and that's okay that's part of the process the other thing that you can think about doing if you really don't like that combo drafted uh technique and it's you're really struggling with it and you know you want to do something that kind of has the look but not the technique um something else that you can try is to basically you take your comb top and you take your bat separate them put one over on one side of you one on the other side of you and strip them both down into two separate piles so you'll have strips of the bat on one side of you strips of the comb top on the other side of you and then split them horizontally as well so that they're only about a foot long each and then as you're spinning pick each time you reach to your fiber supply pick one from the other that you just finished so if you just finished a foot of your comb top next to you grab one from your bat pile then from your comb top pile then your bat pile and basically um, this will you're going to be switching back and forth between the bat and the comb top and it eliminates the technique of combo drafting so you'll have a more consistent yarn but it once you two ply it back on itself whether you do a center pull ball or you spin two bobbins and then ply them together it creates a very very similar effect so you can try that as well and the nice thing is where the bat where the fiber is that was from the bat it'll be a little bit airier and so when it matches up in the plying it'll sort of generally overall create a, a airier yarn and you'll have a higher uh, yards per pound so you'll have more yards per pound of yarn just as an overall project because theoretically your yarn will be a little bit lighter and a little bit airier which is kind of cool now I'm going to loop in Katrina into this conversation because I've just um, started a combo spin myself which I shared about in the thoughtful spinner this month and Katrina has done a ton of combo spinning as well we both love creating new colorways by combining our fiber and the added yardage gives us way more to play with. And as you guys know, I tend to like really large knitting projects, so I do tend to combine fibers when I can. What we look for in our fiber when we are planning to combine them is often what trips people up. Unlike what Rebecca chose, which were two almost identical colorways but prepped differently, many are stash diving and choosing the wildest and most wonderful out of their stashes. So we will chat about that next. Welcome, Katrina. Hello. So we, I've been chatting about combo spinning and combining all of these gorgeous braids of fiber that we have in our stash in all of our stashes actually um, and trying to get more yardage and uh, combining them all together for color I haven't really addressed the whole combining multiple fibers issue but mm -hmm. I thought that tonight you and I could chat a little bit about what your experience has been since you've done quite a bit of combo uh, spins mm -hmm. and uh, I really wanted to talk about striping and so okay. maybe we can actually start there okay well what I've found when I've done my combo spinning is that when you have like when you're spinning 
you're basically creating stripes because the way the fiber is dyed on the braid is you've got a block of color, then you've got the next block of color, and then you've got the next block of color. So when you're spinning that into a thread, you're getting a length of that color, then a length of the next color, and then a length of the next color. And so when you knit that, you're going to get stripes. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you mix up the order or anything like that, you're still going to get stripes just because of the nature of how it was dyed. Mm -hmm. The only time that I've been able to really um, eliminate striping in, in combo spinning is when I've combo drafted. Mm -hmm. And a big part of the reason why that is is because you're actually changing the way that the yarn is coming <coughs> together. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, you're holding three pieces together, for instance, and so you're going to get a little bit from one piece and a little bit from the next piece and a little bit from the next piece. So you're actually changing that long stripe into tiny little bits of color mm -hmm. so you get more of a confetti-looking yarn than actual striping. Mm -hmm. But even in that, when you've got a really strong color, you're still going to get a tiny, tiny bit of striping. It's just, it's the nature of what we're doing with mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And there's really no way to avoid it, no matter how many times you strip it or change the order or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. the nature of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way of describing it, you know, that we're stretching out those blocks of color by, by drafting from them and creating threads, which is exactly what we're doing. Um, the other thing that I was thinking while you were um, talking is I, I think that's why a lot of people go back to carding all of their color together mm -hmm. because it does create those uh, muddy colors that bring, you know, especially when you've got like tertiary colors and you're mixing them together and they're on the opposite side from one another on the color wheel. Yeah. Um, when you do that, you get these sort of muddy in-between colors. And of course, you know, that's how we get brown. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes there's that real like gray undertone. Um, which I personally love. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, it's one way that people uh, take braids of fiber and divide them up and card bits and pieces to create a gradient. So they take all the bits of blue and they take all yep. of the bits of brown. And, you know, just like you did for a recent shawl knit that you did, mm -hmm. you carded all the different colors from the braid together to create that gorgeous gradient. Yeah. Um, it's one way to handle the color. But if you're taking multiple braids out of your stash, unless you're going to go through each braid and make a pile of red and a pile of purple and a pile of yellow and then card them all together in color batches mm -hmm. to intentionally create a massive gradient like that, um, you're going to end up with some degree of striping no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. We can talk about marling too because barber polling is very... Um, deceptive in the skein because in the skein barber polling looks like it's not going to marl or like it's not going to stripe mm -hmm. and yet when it's knit up <laughs> it's sometimes a different story well you're still dealing with that underlying color stripe yeah right so even when you've got the barber polling you've still got one one color is always going to be stronger than the other color in mm -hmm. most of what we do Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be that dominance just from the nature of what color does. Mm -hmm. Like when, when I photograph things, for instance, one of the things I tell my clients is don't wear red. Mm. And a big part of that reason is your eye is drawn to it. 
it's just the nature of, of what we do. It's, it's a very attractive color for our eyes. And so there is a dominance in colors that we don't necessarily know or really understand, but we sort of see it when we're, we're working with things. Hmm. And so when you've got, you know, like let's say you've got a blue and a yellow, the yellow is going to sort of fade a little bit because it's just not not as strong a color, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, generally speaking, yellow is a little bit softer. Yes, it can be bright, mm -hmm. but generally you're going to see the blue over the yellow. Mm. Or, you know, so there's, there's different things like that that we deal with with color. And so when you've got a barber-pulled yarn, you still have um, that underlying stronger color that is going to stripe. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting at Guild the other night because you and I were sitting there um, working on our stuff while our program was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was watching one of our fellow Guild members working on a sweater. And mm -hmm. um, this is out of commercial yarn and she's using um, Cascade Eco, I think, or, or um, Eco Plus. And mm -hmm. we were chatting about it in the break because um, she's using one of the Cascade yarns that is this very very soft almost colorless gray mm -hmm. mar um, barber pulled with white and natural undyed mm -hmm. and it's one of you know those those uh, barber pulled yarns that cascade does is like they're quite popular mm -hmm. and they can be some of them can be like dark brown against a lighter cream so like some of them can be quite significant mm -hmm. and this one was very gentle because if you first glanced at it you would think that the cardigan was actually just a very soft steel gray mm -hmm. but when you look at it more closely of course you can see that the yarn is actually barber pulled mm -hmm. and it was really interesting as I was thinking about it later and thinking about in in relation to our conversation um, even in those commercial yarns that are so soft and that the yarn is meant to create like a heathered effect mm -hmm. it still had one of those two colors was dominant Mm -hmm. you know and it still looked like flex even though it was very gentle and very pleasing to the eye and you wouldn't actually be able to tell if you weren't critical like if you didn't have that critical eye you would just glance mm -hmm. at it and say oh that's a really lovely soft heathered gray yeah but it it's not mm -hmm. yeah well, I mean it's right. nice but it's not just a heathered gray yeah well and like right now as we're sitting here talking I'm working on um, a pair of socks and the yarn is a combo ply. So there's three different colors that went in, like three different colorways that went into making it. Mm -hmm. And it's from Sweet Georgia. And I look at it and overall, the tone is very purple. There's a mm -hmm. lot of purple in the different colors from the different colorways. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of striping, but when you get close to it, you can see that it's actually like there's a lot of little flecks of, of different colors in there because different colors lined up at different times. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it far away, you can still see a subtle stripe to it. Mm -hmm. And it's I don't know how to explain it any any differently than, you know, that's just the nature of what we're doing when when you've got blocks of color that you're stretching out, mm -hmm. you're making a stripe. Mm hmm. And, um, like, I don't think, like, I know there's that really popular thing going on right now where, where it's all combo spins and you take like 
seven or eight braids and you divide them up and you randomize them and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the base of it, you're still taking that one length of fiber, no matter how short it is, mm -hmm. and you're taking those blocks of color and you're stretching that out before you add the next block of color. Mm -hmm. And so even in those really big jumbling mixing up, you're going to get some striping because there is going to be a color dominance at some point. We were also talking in relation to those socks. Um, mm -hmm. It just came to me. I'm going to spit it out before I forget. Um, in relation to those socks, we were saying that part of where that striping is coming from too is the tonal differences. Mm -hmm. So you've got like that, you know, one area where you've stretched out that color, but it's quite a bit darker than another color that just happened in the knit fabric to end up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so then that gives the illusion of a stripe as well. Yes. And I think with a combo spin where you're combining so many braids of fiber, mm -hmm. um, you're going to get that as well because you're going to have tonal differences in, the, in your different fibers. You're going to have some fibers that have lights and darks quite significantly, other fiber braids of fiber that are more medium, that maybe don't have quite as much light and dark. But then once that's all spun and plied together, you're going to have areas that are just naturally darker and areas that are naturally lighter. And if they end up on top of each other in the knitted fabric, by nature of what knitted fabric looks like, like how it's built, mm -hmm. um, you're going to end up with striping. And you're going to end up with the illusion of striping because of the light and dark. Probably even more so, actually, to the eye, I would think. Yeah. Like, I mean, when, when you... When you're dealing with different braids, like as as somebody who's just started dyeing, I have mm -hmm. a vision for what it's going to look like, mm -hmm. right? And so you choose colors that are going to coordinate within that braid of fiber. And when you start breaking that apart, you may get a situation where you've got a color in the other braid that may have a similarity to what you're pulling out but it also may have a really stark contrast mm -hmm. that may not go well together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that like when you're when you're combo like when you're combining different different braids you've really got to look at the overall tone and what you what you want the final product to look like mm -hmm. and there's going to be I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's, it's like I watched one of the videos that you'd put out and um, I looked at the, the choices that she'd made in terms of the colors of what she was pulling out. Mm -hmm. And like, she's just saying it's reds and, and greens and it doesn't matter. But when you've got, cause you can have a green that is very, very on the yellow, or you can mm -hmm. have a green that is very, very on the blue. Mm -hmm. And when you've got that stretch of, of greens that are totally opposite, and then you've got the stretch of reds that are totally opposite as well, mm -hmm. you're going to end up with a lot of brown, you're going to end up with a lot of muddying, but you're also going to end up with striping because when you've got, you know, a, a bright red next to a deep red, it's going to stripe. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to think about like red and green together because of course those are um, complements. Mm -hmm. 
I hate those two colors together. Um, <laughs> it, oh, why did they choose those for Christmas? Um, because when it's that whole optical mixing thing, right? It takes yeah. a lot to get our hand spun yarns to optically mix. You have to spin incredibly fine, but red and green mixed together makes brown. Yeah, it does. You know, so then your overall tone like or not the overall tone I shouldn't say tone because I don't want to mix up the colors or mix up the terms but the mm -hmm. overall color that you see from a distance will be brown it will be you know it'll be the same if you do yellow and well maybe yellow and blue it's going to look green from a distance yes you know and if you do orange and purple it's going to look brown from a distance mm -hmm. um, you know so you have to think about that when you're pulling those braids of fiber out they might look the same from a dye perspective because they all have similar colors and they sort of seem to look um, similar in terms of the colors that the different dyers used. But you've got to be careful about how you're going to combine those braids mm -hmm. of fiber together. If it was me, actually, I'm doing a combo spin of my own right now. And what I did was I took the, I only did four braids mm -hmm. um, to do this technique um, just to try it out but I did try to stick with very 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 analogous braids I tried to stick with braids that had all the colors that were incredibly similar mm -hmm. um, and I just plied up my two ply sample and I showed it to my mom and I'm, I'm really happy with it but mm -hmm. it's very 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 analogous the colors work together because they're analogous and I expect them to stripe mm-hmm you know, so I think that's a difference. Like I knew going into it that I would get massive striping. Yeah. So, and I think it's important just to be aware of that. You know, and if you really don't like striping in your hand spun yarns and your hand spun, you know, uh, we expect it in weaving, but in knitting, if you're mm -hmm. trying to avoid it, um, maybe think about approaching things a bit differently or combine a whole bunch of semi-solids you know mm -hmm. take a whole bunch of different purple semi-solids for example and spin those up together mm -hmm. and try to find ones that are the same tone so that you don't have a bunch of darks and lights going up against each other yeah that's that's another way that you can create a really interesting yarn that won't really stripe that will look more heathered yeah um you know, I have had some success, like I said, with combo drafting, where you mm -hmm. where you're breaking up the colors and um, changing changing that length mm -hmm. of of stripe because you you always have one color that sort of takes over, mm -hmm. but ultimately you're you're drafting three colors together at once, mm -hmm. and so the way that it goes in to twist. Um, you get three different colors in in that in that length of yarn, so you get a really different mm -hmm. look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it yeah. does it still does stripe a tiny bit, mm -hmm. but it's not like really bold stripes or anything like that that you get with some hand spun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, combo drafting is always like what I go back to when I really want to mix things up, but I don't want to pull out my carders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great, actually a great place to finish off because that sort of gives you a few options. If you're looking for ways to approach your combo spins and try to avoid some of the uh, striping that you can get in them. So thank you so much, Katrina, for joining us tonight and for sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem at all. Happy to help. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining me this month as I spoke about combo spinning and I would love to continue this conversation in the Ravelry group and on the Slack channel. So if you have done any combo spinning yourself, please share your experiences with us and let's get a conversation going about whether or not you like striping, whether or not you don't like striping, how you've combined things in the past, what you look for when you combine your fibers. And until next month, happy spinning. Bye guys.